There are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your main man, Chris Mechanic, here with one of the best B2B marketers in the world, I believe. Uh, and I'm incredibly fortunate to be talking with him. And I, uh, I, I'm excited to get into it with him because he's the type of guy that, you know, he can talk high level, he can talk strategy and go to market, he can talk brand. Uh, but he also, you know, can get more granular and more micro and, and talk about the, you know, the sort of nitty gritty and platform stuff that we love here sometimes. Um, but he, he's a, he's a pro he's, he's been in sales in his career. He started as an engineer, uh, like on the dev side, which makes, uh, a lot of the best unicorns I know. Uh, but for over two decades, uh, he's been scaling enterprise SaaS companies. Uh, he's all into an intent. He's really deep into intent, personalization. Uh, just to really drive that engagement acquisition. He's an advisory board member on of Yellow Brick Data, CMO Council. He contributes to Forbes uh, frequently, CMO currently at Trellix. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Ash Parik to the show. Welcome, Ash. How are you? Thank you so much, Mike. Um, this is it's my pleasure. It's a, this is this is a show that I've been uh, watching and listening to for a very very long time. So yeah. I was just waiting, when will I be invited? So thank you for having me. Really, really excited to be here. Me too, man. Me too. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, you know how we like to start the episodes off basically with you sharing one of your, one of your uh, well-kept secrets for the audience here. Um, so why don't you just go ahead and lay it on us? Thank you, Chris. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. And, you know, I, I just not have one secret, but I have five secrets. You know, everyone talks about being revenue driven. Over the years, you know, I've, through a lot of failures and successes, I've learned that there are actually five secrets to actually doing well in the B2B, mindset, uh, B2B space, right? And those yeah. are, one is data, truly mastering your data, data at your fingertips, as I say. The second mm -hmm. one is having a growth mindset, right? And uh, we, can, we can uncover these as we go along. The yeah. third thing is just basically having an eye on ROI, right? Mm -hmm. What goes in, how much can come out. That's really important. The fourth is making sure that everyone comes along for the ride with you. So truly transforming the org that's about culture, taking people along for the ride, nurturing them, mentoring them. Those are the kind of things. And the, the last one is truly driving alignment. Being that, you know, that torchbearer within the company for driving alignment between sales and marketing, marketing and products, marketing and customer success, you name it, right? You are right in the center as a marketing organization. How can yep. I, as a CMO, actually drive that deep alignment? Those are the five secrets that I believe is behind any, anything that's sustainable. Yep. And, and I fully agree with that. And there's an incredible amount to unpack because like just from the data aspect of things, like you can have your macro data, like what's pipeline, you know, what's total size of pipeline, what things are closing in pipeline. That's at the very bottom of the funnel. But then, you know, that goes all the way up, like from web conversion on the website to, you know, even things like engagement signals and intent data you're uh, big on and we'll talk. About. So you've got, so the five secrets, data, hiring for the growth mindset, keeping an eye on ROI, of course, right? That's core. 
transformational mindset, uh, which I'm interested to hear more about. And then that that real alignment, like not just on the marketing team and not even just on the sales team. I mean, you mentioned something that was interesting, like even the product team, even the customer success team, uh, and really being the torchbearer uh, for the org. And I, I think that there's uh, a lot of power in that and a lot of value. And, and it's funny because a lot of marketers right now, like, seem almost like timid in a way to get into those other areas of the business. It's like, hey, I, you know, uh, but you you said it yourself, like revolving door, you know, the CMO role is probably the, the of all the C, CXO, of all the C-suite positions, it's the one with the highest rate of turnover, I imagine. And it's it's true. They're asking, I mean, we're asking our CMOs to be almost everything, but I think that that fifth that fifth piece, that alignment cross-functional is really where you can get the flywheel truly spinning. You bring up, you, you, you make me think about why I said, uh, you know, alignment, uh, Chris. So thank you for that. Actually, I'm, as I'm, as I'm answering this, it dawns on me that it's probably my background. Look, I started off in customer success. That was my very, very, very first job. Customer support. In fact, I used to feel calls. You know, and yeah. they used to judge me on the number of calls that I used to take, the call, call quality, the duration, and you know, how happy the customer was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what did I learn from that? Customer success, customer experience was key, and that people yeah. will come back to buy from you or even keep renewing if you kept them happy and yeah. you know, uh, gave them a good experience with your products. That was one. Very, very big learning for me. Right? The second yeah. one was basically I carried a bag. I was a sales engineer. So yep. I carried a bag and these were my first, second, second jobs, you know, immediately after uh, graduate, uh, master's school in yeah. business. And that was also a humbling ex- experience for me, Chris, because look, uh, I'm not a sales guy, but it, it really came across as, you know, hey, how can you be your most authentic self with yeah. the person on the other side of the table, right? How can you actually be presenting what they're looking for? And, and that yeah. really taught me, you know, that, that humility that comes, goes in when you're trying to market. And after that, I started off in product marketing, product management, and then bubbled my way up to, you know, leading marketing organizations, et cetera. But it's that, I think it's that, that background that helped me align a lot with the people in products, because I do have an engineering background. I have a business background as well with an MBA. I was able to actually bring these things together. I think that's yeah. that life experience that, that's probably helped me over the years. So were you an engineer first, like a technical first, and then a yes. cust- and then you got into customer success? Yes, yes. Oh, I see. Interesting. You don't see that happening a lot. Sometimes you see engineers moving into product or engineers moving into other roles, but you don't often see an engineer go to customer success. I think I always wanted to be customer facing. That's probably what I really love doing. You know, be connected to the customers. I was looking: is this is this the right approach for me? But I learned all all throughout. Right? How you speak to customers? What are they? What are their pain points? Are they going to stay with you or not? And then how do you actually present to them? How do you actually talk about their value proposition versus your own? So I think those were, in retrospect, those probably some divine plan for me. And thank yeah. goodness I had it because there were a lot of lot of learnings, a lot of failures, and a lot of experiences which I brought to to brought to the table as far as marketing is concerned. Well, at this point, Ash, so you have that well-rounded background, uh, and now you're deep into marketing and, and customer acquisition and retention and growth. You are level five, like certified dangerous human being in a good way, right? Like you, like that's all the unicorns that you see have that 
really diverse background and skill set, wouldn't you say? For the most I, part, uh, yeah. Like Tesla. Thank, uh, like, thank you for that. I'm probably going to put it in a, a different perspective. Look, marketing is all about human psychology, right? So yeah. I, I think I've probably been able to touch upon the different aspects of human psychology and their needs through these various experiences. So I think that's probably what what makes me a lot more. Give me, gives me an advantage if you want to use that word. But again, it goes back to the basics of marketing. You know, well, you know think, your customer. That's it. Well, I think it's the engineering background, really, because if you think, and you know, obviously these are just massive, like huge company examples. But the biggest companies in the world: Tesla, Amazon, Meta, Google, Alphabet. All these, like, sure. they're you know they have develop development grounds, and then you go and learn the customer psychology or the human psychology aspect and that's just the yin and yang and that's what really makes you dangerous or makes anybody dangerous you know um true so i think to some extent um speaking to the technical crowd has always come natural to me because of the engineering background i think i'm able to articulate you know technical capabilities business benefits you know in the same tone i can go as deep as talking about architecture enterprise architecture with an enterprise architect to some extent of course right now i'm more of a marketer but you know, I, I do get that language. I do understand what they're looking for. I do understand what a CIO, what a CISO is bothered about, you know, what a SecOps person is concerned about, what a security analyst is concerned about. So that truly helps me build a more cohesive story from a marketing perspective. So, yeah, I think those 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 experiences did help and that background does help. Yeah, and it looks like it was your experience at Informatica, just based on your LinkedIn profile, looks like it was probably your most transformational experience, like when you really sort of came into your own at that point. Without um, a doubt. I mean, I started off as a, you know, product marketer with no one on my team. I was a single a one-man machine, right? Uh, trying to get uh, get work done. But but we got our, got our little product to number one in the market. And, you know, through that, I learned, okay, they gave me a little bit more, gave me a little bit more. And over the years, I kind of had the entire platform and the portfolio and then it ended up heading all of marketing. But yeah, yeah, that was that was transformational, absolutely. So I want to talk uh, about Trellix now, and I uh, and I want to I want you to talk to me. I know you've only been there not very long, um, but I want to talk to you in the context of your five secrets and what you're doing at Trellix now, like to sort of you know implement that level of alignment. Um, but before I do that, I'm just curious, just as a little tidbit for you know for the producers to have some some good audio content. Um, you're all about ROI, right? And you're this really cross-functionally skilled person. Uh, I'm a marketer myself and a little bit technical, but I don't, I don't write code, but I can kind of like you know, paraphrase it sort of. And I kind of understand how it works. Uh, however, I'm curious, if you go into a new company, and say it's a it's a major company like they have a large database they have a cu- they have a customers they have sales team they have you know all the things they're say they're you know mid market like a hundred million to a billion say uh, in in revenue so there's a lot of assets to be worked with there let's just say that you need some quick wins like your you know your day one as a CMO there you just need to post some quick wins do you have any like grab bag techniques or just like easy things that you would that you would look to do in order to drive that level of ROI with like like without a lot of ad spend or without a lot of time? Absolutely. I think I've been known to be a very frugal marketer. And yeah. by that, I mean, you know, I just don't spend without the, a good ROI sense. Um, 
yeah. my team knows about this very well that they come to me with a proposal hey where's the roi where are the metrics up front have you engaged with your product leader with your sales leader are they bought in are they going to be partners with you to kind of did to bring this roi so answering your question absolutely some of the low hanging fruit especially we can we can take you know trevix we can take my prior companies as well um i think when you when you come into a company like trevix you know thousands and thousands of customers you know very happy you know it's a leader in its space xdr yeah. extended threat detection response um and when you step back what you really want to do is make sure that we are putting our best foot forward right? yeah and it's a new company from a brand perspective but it's not new we've been around for 20 25 years we are mcafee enterprise combined with fire and when you oh, step really? back i didn't yes, know that yeah so so we are we are a big company we are we are actually as i said um, well probably the company that actually created this whole category call extended threat detection response and without going into too much of the of details around you know our product portfolios etc when i step back when i came to trellix i i just look back and said listen great company lot of customers very happy they're growing very profitable what can i do i think what i what i immediately needed to do was make sure that i was able to jump start a scalable and predictable demand generation Mm-hmm. You know, by that I mean, you know, campaigns. Like I think we were like many other companies. Trellix was also potentially in a kind of a no man's land, right? Are we pre two thousand nineteen? Are we post two thousand nineteen? You know that that whole transformation had not yet happened. Uh, yeah. the, the transformation of modern marketing. And what do I mean by that? Today, the customer, you and I, Chris, when you and I um, go and search for something online, right, or want want to buy something, we go and do our research online. we go and talk to people who are like minded or basically have the same kind of choices we probably look at some peer reviews yeah. a lot of that research is done before we even go to purchase something i mean i'm i'm in the business of i mean i'm i'm in a situation right now where i'm trying to replace one of my cars because the lease end has come up yeah i'm doing all that research beforehand before i'm even going to the dealership and when i right. go there i'm just going to hand out a little piece of paper and say this is my price i've done my research i've done everything you need to meet this price or else i'm going to look at other options but that's yeah. what the, the 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 mature and the informed customer is like today now b2b is very more nuanced right this is it's not as simple as buying a car you really have to look at all different ramifications is your it department affected is your cis or affected all that kind of good stuff what do customers think about it all that kind of good stuff right so but if you step back i really needed to actually jump start a full demanding engine in the modern sense there was demandion obviously happening but was it leveraging the best that say our website could do that digital we're taking care of digital traffic right you talk about intent and propensity data right are we looking at all the signals that are coming at us on the website are the right people hunting for us right are yeah. we have the right search terms out there are we bubbling up to number 1 number 2 or are we not so we did a couple of quick little tweaks if you go to our website right now on trellix.com you actually can answer five questions who are we right what do we do how can we help you why is it that we are unique and basically how can you get started and in a matter of this is just one page you can actually answer all these questions and get going and actually ask for a demo and we did this this whole transformation around the website it was a beautiful website prior to this it was really dedicated to our new brand and things like living security which is our mantra and soulful work and now we're transition to an amazing aspect around taking that whole brand thinking now into the demand gen piece where we're answering questions that customers are asking about 
Like, who are you, Trellix? What do you do? How can you help me? How can I get started with you? Right? What kind of customers work with you? Do you have customer examples? So that was one of the quick wins. So you'll see that you know that's been updated. I'm already seeing lower balance rates. I'm already seeing higher requests for demos. I'm already seeing number of visits increasing, dwell time. People are not leaving as fast as they used to before. So maybe something is working. Now we still have a long way to go. I still am going to be working a lot on it, but that was one of the lower, lower hanging fruits. Nice. And the other one was business-driven or outcome-based campaigns. A lot of companies still do, you know, hey, I need to drive a campaign for this product yeah. without stepping back and saying, listen, what is the business problem that product can probably solve? Maybe it is three, maybe it's four. And we have a wonderful platform, right? We have a portfolio. We don't just have a platform. We have an, a, have a product, but we have a platform of various best-of-breed products, right? Yeah. Every single aspect of our platform does, you know, is, is, is we are the best in what we do for that particular product. Yeah. To bring all this together in an outcome-based way, right? Using business language. For example, ransomware detection and response is one of the big, is the big campaign that we are going on with right now. Yeah. But it's just an overlays of veneer on top of our platform. It gives our salespeople that approach, you know, that, 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 that door opener to speaking to you, Chris. Right. If you, you know, ransomware is not an if or, or, a, or a when, but a when, right? It's going to hit every one of us. But are you in the right place? You know, are you, are you going to be uh, protected in a way, right? So that when that happens, we can detect and respond to it very, very quickly. Yeah. So you need a partner in crime, and that is us. So that those are the two two things that I'll probably do, right? You know, so drive yeah. the right kind of campaigns, modernize your demand to be more digital first. Well, I think I think one thing that you said that really stuck out at me was um on your homepage, basically make your homepage like a self-sustaining little sales yes. pitch. Yes. Like make it so that when somebody goes to your homepage, they're gonna get the best version of your sales pitch that you can that you could muster in a, you know, in a relatively general way. And we could talk about personalization and, and different types of things, but, um, but yeah, I think that's a good play to just have, and some people, they don't want their homepage to just scroll and scroll and scroll. They're like, oh, it's too long. Nobody's going to read it. And that's true. Nobody, you know, probably very few people are going to read it from top to bottom, but you scroll, you make good use of the headlines. I'm looking at Trellix.com right now. You make good use of the headlines to summarize and allow people to skim and scan. You deliver a cohesive image right one page so that, you know, no matter how they find you, they're going to get that message. I have like, I have like three or five or actually probably more like seven or 15, just like really quick win, like quick hit type of a thing. Uh, that I'll share a couple of them with you just for the interest of, you'll find them useful, probably some of them, uh, as well as the audience. But like when it's a substantial company like Trellix and you have thousands of customers, like one thing that I find to be often useful is simply send more email, simply send more. Like a lot of companies are, are underutilizing email or they're just like broadcasting, you know, really, really wide uh, sets. But at a major company like that, like you guys have probably hundreds of thousands of records in your database or millions, like find a small little segment of that and first query like for, hey, like show me everybody that's a current customer that hasn't received an email like in the last seven days, you know? So take your like hundreds of thousands of records down to like tens of thousands with that. And then you can find a little cohort within that. Like you can, 
you can make sales from a small email list, you know? So that's one of my, one of my quick hits is just like, yo, let's look at this email database and find like underutilized pockets of it. Uh, a second quick hit is, is in remarketing. So especially in the B2B space, these are not overnight decisions. These are not impulse purchases. Most uh, marketers and advertisers are doing remarketing, but it's like at a you know pretty superficial level or like a pretty general level where they'll say like, hey, retarget all website visitors over the last 30 days. But uh, especially if you have the luxury of having a high traffic website or having all these customers, uh, you could basically say like, hey, show me everybody that's visited this page or this cluster of pages and make a remarketing audience off of that. Or if you have enough traffic, you could even say, you could go beyond like, show me everybody that's visited these pages. And also they're in these countries, which we service and not in those countries, which we don't like. And they've also done some sort of engagement. Like they viewed more than one page or they clicked on, you know, some specific button. So that could be pretty specific, but if you've got a lot of traffic coming to your website, like that'll be over a thousand users, which is, which is the minimum usually for retargeting ads to even run. So retargeting in B2B, especially enterprise B2B with those six month sales cycles or plus it's way underutilized in my perspective. I would agree. I mean, I like both your, both your examples. I know you have a few more, but let me react to the first and the second one. I mean, for sure. So email. For sure, but I'll, I'll, with a little bit, a bit of a caveat. I mean, email is a great way to get the word out. I think you, you, you were, you were going down that path, right? Look at a particular segment of your people, and that's what we did with this whole ransomware campaign. And if you go to our website, you will see six use case, five use cases: ransomware, zero trust, whatever. So we kind of, kind of segment people by their interest. And we, first of all, the first, first email was to everyone to kind of gauge interest. And after that, you know, you, you send more and more content, which is useful for me. It's look, I have, I have two different folders in, in my accounts, right? In my email accounts, one for the useful stuff, the other one for the not so useful stuff. So yeah. I, I want to, I want to make sure that when I send an email out from my company, it goes into the useful bucket. And yeah. that can only happen when you're sending content of great value. And content of great value has to be, you know, thought-provoking, giving someone something to actually think about. Like I have this book right here. It's my mantra, right? I have it right here on my desk. It's called As We Speak. And, um, you know, it's by Peter Myers. And in the book, it says, to truly communicate with another person, you need to think about what they need, right? Not just telling them what they want to hear, but, but understanding what the other person needs to feel, know, and experience in order to create a shift in their thinking. It's about, it's about not about you, it's about them. And I think that's, that's probably, I think all aspects of marketing can probably gain from, even the part around email. There's another idea that we've been working on, which is, as you said, a big company, thousands of customers. And when you're in enterprise B2B, people move around, especially in this kind of a macroeconomic conditions, right? People are moving from one company to the other. Now, if, yeah. if at all, I could just use, and there is software out there that we are using, I'm not going to name the vendors, but um, obviously there's software out there that we are leveraging, starting to leverage, where if you moved, Chris, from company A to company Y, and you loved us when you were at company A, if I'm able to target you when you go to company Y, my start, startup time to get get in, in through the door and getting you using what I have, you know, what I need to do is just get you up to speed, if at all with things that are new 
or aspects of the portfolio that you weren't exposed to before. And there you go. Leveraging champions that move from one company to the other. That's another great way to get things uh, going. And there are there's tons of great software for it. That's my favorite one. Traveling champions. Traveling champions. Yeah. Traveling champions. And like you mentioned, hey, you know, send them an update on the product or what have you. In my experience, just simply reaching out to that traveling champion and saying, hey, how is it at your new job? Miss you. Like, hit me up if you want to chat sometimes. Very non-salesy. More times than not, you will get a response like, hey, great to see you too. Yep. Either there's an, an immediate opportunity in some cases, or it's like, hey, great to see you too. And then they'll be, start giving you coaching. They'll be like, I'm going to try to get you guys in here like as soon as right. I... You know, exactly right. And that traveling champion, and there was uh, a podcast, so you didn't want to mention a vendor, but I'll mention one that I like in that space, which is user gems. Uh, I don't know if that's the one that you're using, but I had them, their CMO on the pod lately. Great guy, great product. He did a free analysis for us, which I think it only works if you're using Salesforce. Um, but it basically like you can upload uh, your customer data and it will like identify some of these traveling champions that you may have missed. It's pretty cool. I also have the aspect of, you know, the five dashboards for a CMO. And yeah. you and I started talking about that, Chris, and th those are the low hanging fruit. When you asked me what, what would I do in my first hundred days or whatever, that might be low hanging fruit and things like that. Yeah, uh, those are the five dashboards, and that's the work I've been doing right now, right? Really driving the data hygiene, the analytics hygiene, and uh, if you want, I'm happy to share some of them. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's talk about what you're doing with Trellix. So this is not to be confused with the five secrets of effective growth marketing that you shared earlier. No, this, this is, is basically the five. This is like yeah. the modules on your personal dashboard. Exactly. When I open up my desktop in the morning, what are the five reports I want to see? And yeah. I remember, it's actually the num it's the number one thing I told you about data. Yeah. Data ROI being growth driven, right? So these are the dashboards that I always ask my demand gen, my sales, my marketing ops and analytics teams to build for me. Yeah. We started so, off on day one, right? Yeah. So, so Ash had Ash had laid out just for people that might be joining right now. He laid out the top five secrets to growth marketing success that he's experienced. Uh, which were data. Data was the number one, like know your numbers and that's it. Uh, hiring for the growth mindset, ROI minded, transformation oriented, which points to innovation and then alignment. Like as that marketing and growth leader, you need to be the torchbearer and bringing these different functions of a business together, like not just sales, but also product and customer success and probably other things. Um, so now we're double clicking into that first one, which is data. And Ash is about to tell you the top five uh, modules on his on his dashboard. Yeah, absolutely. If I if I didn't have any of these dashboards, I would be in big trouble. I, yeah. I, I, I need to have it at my beck and call. So the very first one is what I call the end-to-end -end conversion dashboard, which is MQLs to SQLs, SQLs to pipeline, pipeline to opportunity, opportunity to the revenue or booking or whatever that might be, whatever your metrics is. And that's that was the highest what happened. Levels. That's, that's the like highest. A, across all channels, all platforms. Great, all great point. Across all channels, across all platforms. And then you can double click, right, Chris, into that. You can probably do it by geo. You can do it yeah. by products. You can do it by marketing channel. But I like to look at it first at the topmost level. 
Yeah. And I've often seen that, listen, at least I've seen it in two or three, two, two cases so far, is we typically, I mean, CMOs or at least marketing leaders in the pre-2019 days or, you know, the old world, as I would call it, let's just fill the pipe with tons of MQOs, right? Volume. Volume over veracity or quality. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a fine balance because you probably need both. You need the volume, but you also want that volume to be of high quality. But right. what's happened over the last, you know, four or five years, et cetera, especially in the, hey, everything I'm going to be doing is going to be in-person events. People are walking by your booth at your, at, at the booth at one of your events, right? And, you know, all you're getting is a, you're giving them a charge key and they give you your, your lead. That yeah. is not an MQL. That right. is not something that's qualified, but you, you, you plow through so much of NQL into the system that, and you do not have proper offers or call to actions, et cetera, which are really kind of fine tuning whether that lead is truly mature or not. You really end up with a lot of bad quality opportunities. And that wastes everyone's yeah. time. It dilutes credibility and you really cannot drive alignment, right? And yeah. that is why that, that reverts back to the whole revolving door of a CMO kind of conversation that I had before. So if right. I don't have you know my hands on this kind of data, what's happening to the MQL? What are the benchmarks when it goes from MQL to SQL? Is that so? I start curing that pipe first and foremost. I'll pro- when I probably look at something like that at a new company, it'll probably look ninety percent red, right? Red in the sense you know the conversion rates are 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 low or the volume is low over time, etc. And then you'd start very methodically, systematically start, start solving, okay, MQL to SQL, let's heal it for this particular geography. And let's now heal it for this segment of this particular product. Now start healing SQL to opportunities. Now start, let's start healing the rest of it towards revenue. And now this dovetails into the other dashboards that I need. I mean, one answers the other. Let's take, for I example, I've got- So this is, this is your dashboard. The first right. page of that dashboard Exactly. is the opportunity opportunity stage conversion rate and you can exactly. double click into that and and zoom into one specific stage to a different one uh, or to a channel and uh, traffic source that's exactly right so and that well let's call that a page on your dashboard but what's the second let's page? call that a page exactly let's call that a page now you double click into one of them right let's just say that you know certain aspects of it are are green they've turned from red to green so MQL to SQL has now turned to green. And let's just say that's because you're bringing in the right quality of leads and contacts into the database. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And now things are still slow. I'm not meeting my numbers. Right. So it's the volume problem. Or it's it's just that the leads are just aging. So the next, next dashboard for me is a lead aging report. Mm-hmm. Where is it stuck? Where is this engine stuck? Is it stuck with certain reps? Is it just... People just don't care about what I've I, I've told them. I mean, the campaign is not working. It's not resonating. Is the message not resonating? Are SDRs not looking at these particular leads? What's going on over here? So, you know, it's like, it's like a sleuth, right? It's like a private investigator. You're looking at every single stage. Now, when you get to that point that you uncovered potentially one or two answers to this, this particular problem, you then get to a point of, hey, you know what? Let's look at by marketing channel performance. Which of these marketing channels is doing better than the others? Like having been in the industry for so long, North America behaves slightly differently than India, and India behaves slightly differently from. This is the third page. So the second page is lead aging. Yes. Third third page is by traffic source. Exactly. Or or geo. 
you can do it by geo, but I, I prefer to call it by channel. And then you can double click into it oh, by okay. geo and by product, right? Got it. Got what it. do I mean by channel? Okay. My web webinars are doing well. So real concrete examples, right? Webinars do great, at least in my humble opinion, than in North America or virtual summits, not necessarily in Europe. Europe prefers to have a lot more in-person meetings, in-person events, things like that, right? Mm. Digital kind of work happen, uh, is taken up very well in North America, maybe not so much in the other geos. So you, you really have to look at which channels work for what, and then look at the volume, how many leads are coming, right? How many opportunities came out from that, right? So you can then, it's almost like having a, a turning the different dials on a dashboard. Now right. you know what to do in Europe. Now, in, you're, now you know what to do in APJ. Now you know yeah. what to do in North America for a specific product, maybe for the entire platform. Yep. And now when you double click on this further, now let's think about that very first report that I spoke about, the very first dashboard. Well, we've now got to a point where, yeah, we've gotten some pretty good wins and opportunities, but they are not converting into bookings or revenue. This is beautiful, uh, Chris, because now you start looking at SDR performance and sales win rates. So you can look at basically SDRs and say, are they getting enough number of calls? Are they actually treating them with, with the right kind of enablement in, in place? Do they know what to tell people when they pick up the phone? Do they have the right offer, right? Yeah. Do, they, yeah. do they have the right follow-up? And then when you look at the next one, which is a fifth report, which is basically you know sales win, win rate kind of productivity, you really can tell who are your top 10% of sales reps who really love your message and they're going down that particular campaign route and they're doing a yeah. great job with it. And the rest of them, Maybe they don't care about your campaign. Maybe they're looking at other ways of you know, making their number. That's fine. But then that means I need to potentially enable them better. Maybe the way I speak to them has to be slightly different, or I need to just basically make sure that it's, it's a priority because it's a priority for the company. So these five or six things really help me become a better marketer because I have data at my fingertips now, and I know how to pivot, and I know how to react. That's right. brilliant. So the fifth page on your dashboard is basically like a sales productivity breakdown almost by rep or by region or both? All, both. Wow, that's that's amazing. So that would seem like it would it should be on the dashboard of like a CRO or like a sure. head of sales. Sure. So where does your so I guess where does your job end and your your sales leader's job start in your mind? But that's alignment, right? I mean, we are helping uh, sales in a way that listen. Here you go. I mean, in fact, it's always great when the CRO and a CMO are joined at the hip. For me, oh, that's always I, great. I don't win till a CRO wins. It's as simple as that. There's no point, you know, patting myself on the back saying, "Hey, I, I hit all my numbers, and we we missed our revenue targets, or we missed our bookings targets." Company loses. That's not exactly what what you want to do. So, I'm in my job to make sure that the CRO is successful. That yep. that has to be the mindset for any CMO. Love it. Well, hey, there's a lot of different directions we could go to here. I wish we had like three more hours to talk. Um, I know that we're running short on time here and I want to get you out of here in time. Uh, in terms of Trellix, are there any big win stories? I know you've only been there for a few months, but are there any big win stories that you'd like to share or like team members you'd like to call out? Oh, absolutely. So um, look, we have a have a maybe the world's number one or the industry's number one, you know, threat intelligence arm. You know, people like John Popper really being right out there, uh, making sure that we are looking at all kinds of data out in the web, 
out in the ecosphere and the internet, et cetera, making sure that, you know, cyber criminals are caught right in their footsteps. So, you know, you can read up more about us. You can go on our website and figure out and find out threat intelligence. This is all about what John Falker does along with our platforms. It's not just our great technology. It's also the research that goes behind it along with our artificial intelligence. Oh, and John Falker is at F-A-L-K-E-R? F-O-K-E-R. F-O-K-E-R. Okay, Falker. Got it. He's, he's brilliant. He's fantastic. He's a great presenter. I mean, and he represents the company really well. So that's that's one. And the other big win that, you know, from a Trellix perspective, I think one of the biggest, biggest, I won't name the names, but I think big compliment we got recently from one of the industry leaders uh, from a thought leadership and analyst communities. You probably have one of the most crisp ways of communicating the value of your platform. And yeah. that shows up on our website. You can you can see it when you go to our platform page. Yeah. No. Uh, in fact, that's that's all that marketing did. But the brilliance is in the products. The brilliance is in the history and the heritage of the company. Uh, mm-hmm. As I said, been around for twenty five years. It's it's important to bring to bear that we are the world's number one open and comprehensive platform for what we do. So th- those are some of the key wins. Uh, I would say in the last hundred days, maybe. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, uh, the last segment that we have before we get to the lightning round is challenges. Um, tell us, just like in a couple minutes, uh, what are some of the big challenges that you're facing right now? What keeps you up at night? Well, see, uh, the team is always always top of mind, right? Building that growth-minded team. I mean, and it's, it's not just about getting people who are new, but it's also transforming people who are in place, getting to, yeah. to that growth mindset. Right. So you're, you're, there's a lot of work that is going in along with my HR business partners, with my other leaders within the organization, et cetera, trying to get every single one of, on my team to that point where they have stretch goals for each for themselves. They look at where they can actually do 100, 100 times more, right? Just in their own minds. Hey, listen, can we actually stretch this, this goal a little bit more and see where we can actually land? Right? So that, yeah. that transformational culture has to be, is, is, is what's top of mind for me. The second thing is basically becoming, from a challenge perspective, I mean, becoming that that digital first kind of a demand engine within within the company, within within the ecosphere, within the industry. That's that's the other piece of it. I wouldn't call it a challenge because we are already on our way, but uh, it takes a lot of work, right? You the the marketing stack itself has over thirty thousand tools and technologies out there. Uh, you right. know that as well as I do. Martech yeah. is art. Which technologies do you use? Which technology you probably not use? You mentioned earlier one of the technologies that you know integrates with Salesforce. Now, those are questions that we constantly look at when we are in- investigating new um, uh, new capabilities and, and tools. We we have Marketo as a standard stack. We have obviously Salesforce. We have a couple of other pieces, and we try to build around these foundational aspects, right? So truly modernizing my my digital foundation. And yeah. the third thing is obviously making sure that we can drive more contribution to bookings and revenue from a yeah. marketing sourced perspective. Yeah, now that makes a lot of sense. And I'm curious, what do you use for your dashboarding software? Do you are you Tableau or Looker? Looker, yeah. Looker and BigQuery. Looker, Power BI. We have some Power BI, and so we have. It's a big, a big uh, enterprise. So obviously, there are multiple tools. Nice, nice. 
All right, cool. Well, uh, on this, well, there, I said that was the last segment, but one other one, what are you guys investing in? If you can talk about it, like, are you, is there anything specific that you guys are buying like this year or next year tech wise? Well, definitely traveling champions, as we just discussed a couple of months ago. So that's definitely high on my radar. We will be looking into it. Uh, We're also going to look at, you know, how we can build out a digital community. Yeah, so I am, I am, you know, uh, investigating various ways of actually creating champions within the uh, the, the ecosphere, both internal as well as external, because that's that's fundamental to how I market, right? Can I deliver that value to someone? If you were part of my community, Chris, and you came into my community page every every week, you should be able to find very very useful nuggets of information, value, demos, be able to speak to your peers. I should be able to celebrate your wins, you know, especially when you have great milestones achieved within your own deployment, et cetera. So that's yeah. that's one of the big uh, implementations for me. And of course, you know, we'll keep improving on things around propensity and intent data. I mean, there are tools uh, uh, galore out there that, that that are absolutely new and look at different aspects of it. Nice, nice. All right, man. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, it's time for the lightning round. Answer okay. these answer these uh just shoot from the hip so so quick quick answer but question number one is if you were to start a side hustle what side hustle would that be pi private investigator for sure oh, pi i thought you said bi oh okay private investigator nice all right that's an interest i've never gotten that one that's that's definitely a first well, think um, about it. I'm, I mean, the sleuthing that I do with the data, I'm sure I'd be able to do that with reams and reams of information, right? Yeah, definitely. Cool. And then number two is um, top three books or authors or influencers that have made a big impact on your career. Yeah, so I mentioned one. I mean, as we speak by Peter Myers and Shan Nix, I mean, there's a story behind this. Um, there was a time in my life when I was very, very afraid of speaking in front of 3,000 people. I could do it in front of 300 people, but it was very tough for me to do it in front of 3,000 people. And I took this course at Stanford. I had one of my mentors, et cetera, and they gave to, gave to this book to me. And mm-hmm. that line, which I, which I read to you earlier, is it's not about you, it's about them, really changed my life. And whenever I now step out and, you know, on, on, onto a stage, I'm, it's, it's magical because I really put myself in service to the people I'm actually presenting to. You know, so all the nerves just just disappear in a second, you know, obviously. And um, yeah, and uh, you're able to deliver something of value to, to people who are sitting in that seat who made that investment to sit down there and listen to you for the next 10, 15, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever that might be. So that yeah. that book is is truly, truly, you know, the cornerstone of everything I do. Nice. When did you, when did, when were you introduced to that book? That was about 12 years ago. Oh wow! Our, and you still keep it. Ago. You still oh, keep yes. it on your desk. It's right here, right here. Yes. Wow. All right. Well, that maybe we could just have that one to not water that down, since that seems like it's a bible for you almost. That is absolutely. It's like an, um, and that's also interesting that you could speak in front of three hundred, but not three thousand. Like you, <laughs> you know, it's probably about the eye contact, right, Chris? I mean, I could, I could look at people in in their in their eyes and actually, you know, a group of people. But then if you're staring into a wide audience, which is dark, and you really don't yeah, know and the with. light, the really and bright the light, light is shining in your face, so you can't even see them. Exactly. 
Cool. Well, uh, last of the lightning round is um, how do you avoid burnout and how do you help your team avoid burning out? Uh, I think it's about taking the time. I think Trellix is amazing about this. You know, they all, they are really, really, uh, you know, they have a lot of investment in people's wellness, mental wellness, as well as just making sure you're taking the time for yourself. I play a lot of tennis. I play a lot of tennis with my daughter and she is yeah. getting much better than me with each passing day. And I used to pride myself, hey, I used to play on my school team, my university team, but she's she's that much better than me. So that keeps me going, you know, this old yeah. man. So I, I keep trying to get better, watch a lot of videos, try to get myself, you know, top-notch shape. So that's how my weekends go. Um, four hours every every day over the weekend. So about seven to eight hours over the weekend, I'm done. I'm back on Mondays, completely refreshed. You know, uh, all the stress is taken out on the little tennis ball and I'm back to doing what I'm doing. I think, nice. you know, the, the trick is to find your own little way of, you know, getting it out and it's physical activity. So obviously that's great as well. That's cool. How good are you at tennis? Are you like a 3-5 or 4-0 or 4-5? Between a 3-5 and a 4-0, I would say, three, trying five, to inch myself right about that. Nice. Nice. That's better than me. I'm like a 3-0 on a good day. <laughs> uh, um. Cool, man. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And uh, thank you for everybody listening. If you learned something today or laughed a little bit uh, or enjoyed this, drop us a like, drop us a comment, share this with a friend. It's certainly helpful. Uh, and then Ash, um, if people want to learn more about you or Trellix, where would you direct them? Definitely, um, you want to learn more about me, definitely go to the Forbes Communication Council and uh, look for me. You can just Google me, Ash Greek and Forbes. Um, I'll leave everyone with one one thought, right? Keep in mind a CMO's role is seven roles rolled into one. I've written, I've written an article on this. So it's about, you know, uh, what a CMO's role is in a, in a B2B kind of an outfit. And um, I think the best CMO is someone who doesn't think that they are the smartest in the room. They hire great people. Uh, they know enough. They know where to kind of put the checks and balances and kind of look for, you know, inspect what you expect and make yeah. sure that everyone is maniacally executing to a particular plan. I always say this, right? Try fast, fail fast, scale fast. That's always been my mantra. Yeah. And the last but not the least, just self-awareness, 100% self-awareness. Ash, you're good at this. You're absolutely not good at this. At least try to get decently good at that and leave the rest to, the, to your team. You know, yeah. So I think that's that's truly important. That's the mindset that I'd probably like to drive. So you'll hear you'll see a lot of that on Forbes. I mean, that's the ethos of the kind of uh, articles I write out there. Cool. Well, I'll definitely check that out. We'll include the link to that in the show note. Uh, you stay on for just one minute, and we'll close up. But for everybody else, thank you very much. This has been another awesome episode of Revenue Driven CMO, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. 
even if you're already a client. If you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, Web Mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.